0: This episode of The Ziggler Show is brought to you in part by Constant Contact. No one makes it easier to create interactive email content that drives engagement from your customers than Constant Contact. They let you easily upload your email list and then they handle the rest unsubscribes, bounces, inactive emails, all update automatically. Plus the templates are all built to be mobile responsive. So you can be sure that your emails will look just as great on small screens as they do on big ones. See how you can be an effective marketer with a free trial at constantcontact.com podcast. Welcome to episode number four hundred and fifty-five of the Ziegler Show. Today is the ever-popular Q and A show with Tom Ziegler and myself, Kevin Miller. You'll hear questions such as, "How do you know when it's time for you to start your own business?" "What did Zig Ziegler do between his humble beginnings as a door-to-door salesman and his stage in front of millions changing lives?" What's the in-between story? And I'm graduating college. How do I figure out exactly what to pursue? Join us and hear real stories and feedback from others like you who are striving to inspire their true performance.
1: You're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today is a brand new day, and it's yours.
0: Hey everyone, this is Kevin Miller, your host of The Ziegler Show. The Q&A shows with myself and Tom Ziegler continue to grow in popularity with our audience. So this week I grabbed Tom out of a week-long Ziegler Legacy Certification course uh, being held live at the Ziegler headquarters in Texas and got him on the mic with me for about 40 minutes. We had some great questions and though I actually feel like we rushed or I did to answer them fully, we only got through three because they were so in-depth, but that's okay because chances are you're going to resonate with uh, all or some of these questions and the feedback that we gave. We were answering individuals but on questions that pertain to most everyone listening to the show. And speaking of the show, we really strive to have great advertisers supporting us. Advertisers like us because you guys take action on following our recommendations and patronizing them. In order to bring you the most relevant supporters, we need your help. Uh, I don't like to ask for something for nothing. This help will help us provide a more relevant show for you. So if you would go to podsurvey.com slash Ziggler and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better and provide better products and services to you. Even if you've taken our show's podcast listener survey before, the current one is new and different. So if you would, please take it all over again. It just takes a moment. Once you've completed the survey, you can enter or win a $100 Amazon gift card as well. But again, the URL is l a r. and thank you so, so much for your help. All right, folks. Well, with that, let's get into Q&A time. All right, Tom. Well, we're doing this recording while you have a room full of people on the wall next to you. Uh, ZLC is happening. Tell folks a little bit about what's going on there right now.
1: Well, Kevin, our Ziegler Legacy Certification, this is where we certify people from all over the world to carry on the legacy by teaching Uh, training, speaking, coaching, and consulting Ziegler life-changing content. So uh, we have people from Italy, from Lebanon, all over the United States here in this five-day course. And the cool thing is, Kevin, is that on Monday, or we're done on Friday, so it's five days Monday through Friday. When we're done on Friday, they will be equipped and ready to go. We've had people go and teach the following Monday after they've been through. So we take all of Dad's legendary principles on relationships, on personal development, on goal setting, on attitude, on motivation, on self image, on character, on integrity—all these different things. We put them on the low shelf. Dad used to say, "We got to put the cookies on the bottom shelf," and this way, somebody who loves inspiring, motivating, and helping others be doing that more—they got the tools to do it. Yeah. So this is our uh, first class of the year. Uh, and we've got them coming up about every quarter. So uh, if you've been listening for a while, you need uh, to take action if this is something you want to find out more about. So we'd love to hear from you.
0: Yeah, go check it out. Zigglercertified.com is where you can see how to get involved, What what is happening right now, right there at Ziggler headquarters where Tom is sitting. Now, and I'll tell you, there are so many folks who want to do coaching, consulting. They know how to lead people well. Of course, they come there and they're going to learn how to do that a lot better. But then, folks, it literally, you become part of the Ziegler family, the Ziegler team there. And that's huge because when it comes to coaching, the big issue with that, as opposed to if you're selling a widget, is you are selling yourself. So the credibility and trust factor goes through the roof in regards to anything else you might do. And having the Ziegler brand alongside you is a big, big deal. Well, hey, so we've got uh, some questions to give our best to here, Tom, and I will dive in here. This is from Wilbert. He says, hey, how do you know when it's time for you to start your own business? I'm a truck driver. I've been with my company for 13 years Uh, It's been, uh, there's been some major changes going on there, change in pay. Plus it seems like no one's happy to still work there. It seems like the company doesn't value their employees. So I've been thinking of buying my own truck, but I keep second guessing myself because I've been with this company so long. Please help if you can. Thanks. Well, Tom, you know, uh, going after self-employment is near and dear to my heart. And so I, I really took that question and thought about how many people are listening right now who are in the same place, whatever job that they're in right now, wherever they're working, they're thinking, can I do this on my own? Can I be the boss? Can I make the profit? And when I hear that, one of the first things I hear is, uh, Michael Gerber. Uh, who you probably know from the e-myth. And he said, a lot of people have an entrepreneurial seizure and they start thinking about that, but they have no idea about running a business and what they're really getting into. So here I'm saying, I'm leading with that, even though, of course, I'm one of the biggest fans of self-employment. That's where our our wealth comes from. That's where our millionaires come from. That's where I think our most passionate work comes from, but it's a big, it's a big question. So I've got some thoughts on that, but you know, it's interesting though, him talking about being a truck driver, you've got some experience with a, a ZLCer seer who's a, uh, in, in a similar place uh, with Glenn. Um, give us some thoughts.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there's like three thoughts that came to mind right away. And, Uh, Let me just give you the philosophical answer, and then I'll give you the practical answer, and then maybe a how-to. So here's the philosophical answer. I never will forget. Uh, Dad's mentor was Fred Smith, and Fred was the wisest man that I ever met. Fred, at the end of his life, especially the last few years, but really the last 10 years, he had a lot of health problems. He was on dialysis. Hmm. The last year of his life, he was bedridden. His daughter, Brenda, uh, actually took care of his every need, turning him over. Uh, And when, you know, when Fred passed away, they had a memorial service. And Fred had done a video a few months before to play at the memorial service.
0: That's excellent.
1: So here's a man who literally poured his life into CEOs, board members of, of the largest nonprofits in the world, uh, highly respected, he was the guy behind the scenes. If, if, if you know many Fortune 500 presidents and CEOs had him as a lifeline, and nobody knew. So Fred, in this video, he says, "So many people have asked me what is the greatest lesson I've learned in my life." Mm-hmm. And then he said, "I didn't learn it until the last year of my life." And what he said was. In this time of my life when I was totally dependent on somebody else for every need, when I would wake up in the morning with literally not enough energy to open my eyelids, God would lay something on my heart to do. And he said, I'd begin to negotiate with God. Well, God, you know, I'm, I'm, 90, I'm 90 plus years old, and I've been on dialysis, and I have no energy. And then he would make this comment. He said, you know, when you negotiate with God, you just got to get used to the fact that you never win. <laughs> And what God was laying on his heart at that time in Fred's life was, is he needed to call Brenda in and dictate to her something that she could write because God had laid a message on his heart, and Fred was a writer and an author. And this is a lesson that he learned. He said, whenever God lays something on your heart, your only responsibility is to just start. Now, here's the thing that's so powerful. He followed it up with this. He said, God doesn't give you the resources to overcome. He gives them to you while you're overcoming. Mm -hmm. And so from a philosophical perspective, uh, from a a faith-based perspective, if this is something that's laid on your heart from that perspective, hey, you just got to start. Now, from a business entrepreneurial, and we do a lot of coaching in business, and Kevin, I know you've done the same thing. I think starting is key, but how you start is probably even more important. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that uh, you plan and prepare in advance. In other words, you're not making a blind leap of faith, leaving a solid income that's providing all of your needs into starting from zero, because you can plan and start your new business while you're still operating your own. You can learn about how to set up a business. You can uh, save money so you have a bank account that will allow you to develop it and grow it. There's so many different things that you can do. And I'm not just talking about, you know, being an independent trucker and owning your own uh, business in that way. I'm talking about any business. How can you start your dream job while you're still in your day job. Yeah. And that was a John Acuff uh, quote, and he has the book called Quitter. And of course, Kevin, your book, uh, your dad's book, actually, uh, he covers this immensely. And so if you know it's from God, you got to take it serious. And I think number two, it's the how you begin. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well, hey, a couple thoughts then, and, and I was, I was really speaking to you, Wilbert, but also to just everybody who's in this place. So, just some questions and some things to consider. Why do you want to go into business for yourself? What is the core motive? Is it money? Uh, is it time? Is it flexibility? Is it fulfillment? But, really getting clear on your motive because this is not going to be an easy process. And when I find people who are just vaguely aware or there's, uh, of, of what their motive is, they won't stick. On that same note, a lot of times the motive is dissatisfaction in the current place of employment. And Wilbert here, you uh, stated there were some changes in the, in the, uh, maybe the management or the structure of the company and the pay. And so those are some dissatisfactions. If that's the main thing that's motivating you towards self-employment, I would say that's not enough because there's always going to be that possibility of what would it be like if you were offered a similar job with great people, with great pay, great benefits, would you still want to do it? If your answer is yes, well, then self-employment may not be the direction you need to go. You need, may need to look for another opportunity in their arena. So you really need a strong drive specifically for, uh, for self-employment. So really looking at pros and cons. Uh, that's something my, my dad, speak of him again, Dan Miller, talked a lot about, taught me as a kid. And, you know, looking at the risks, of course, though along with that, I think often we look at what's the risk of doing that thing just as much, though, and this is for Wilbert and for anybody, wherever you are right now, what are the risks of staying where you are? And a lot of times those, when you get real on those, you'll see, my gosh, there's, there's more risk staying where I am than going forward. But again, this is really taking a an audit of where you are. And then just really question yourself on security. You know, how do you feel about security? And some people, there's no way they would go after self-employment because of the insecurity that they feel. A lot of us who are self-employed feel the exact opposite. And we think, I would never put all my security in somebody else's basket. I want control over what I'm doing, but you need to look at how you view that there. And as I spoke before, you know, most of the millionaires that we have in the world, this is in the millionaire next door, they're self-employed, they own their business, but they do also own the risk. And I have definitely known people who have been in self-employment and actually gone back to employment and said, you know what I found, I did, it helped me figure out what I wanted, but I don't, I don't like having to make all the decisions. I don't want all the risk in my basket. Again, these are just relevant things to look at. And then just from a personal standpoint, you know, are you self-motivated? Are you able to make decisions? You are only going to answer to you. I think that's one of the hardest things for people who have a great idea, great product, great service, great message. They have everything going for them, but that if they've always been in uh, self-employed or traditional employment, it's hard initially to go to that shift and get into making all the decisions yourself.
1: I love that. And, and it just reminded me of my reading this morning. I'm reading uh, Thou Shall Prosper by mm-hmm. Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the chapter I was reading today actually is this, is that you are already self-employed. Mm. And what you've got to do is create the mindset that you are in business for yourself. And one of the recommendations that he has is you don't treat your, your owner, your manager, your leader, your boss as your owner, your manager, leader, your boss, you treat them as your customer. You're working for yourself. How can you serve them? And then if it comes down to, oh, there's an integrity issue or they're doing things that fall out of line with your principles and values, that's a whole nother decision. You've got to make a decision on that yeah. to to move on because uh, people of integrity cannot for very long work in an environment where they could be compromised. Yeah. So that's that's a, a great concept is go ahead and start thinking of yourself as already self-employed. And whether you start your own business or you end up working for somebody else in the industry, uh, if you hustle all the time to make your customer happy and you go the extra mile, you're going to do really well. And chances are good somebody's going to hire you away if they see that you could add more value to them because they need people like you.
0: Absolutely. It reminds me of our buddy, Seth Godin and his book Lynch pen. That's what it's really about is being invaluable. And in my, in my own economy, I thought working like an owner, I don't know. You know, I, I, Tom, you're the same way. You could never go in anywhere, even if you were an employee and not think of it like an owner, understanding the big picture. That's a great value. I hope that helps you some Wilbur, as you look at that decision. Uh, next question comes from Ralph. He says, I know that Mr. Ziegler, Zig Ziegler started out as a struggling cookware salesman and that he finished his work in the world, helping millions, perhaps billions to be better versions of themselves. Can you fill in for me what he did in between? What did the journey look like between cookware and his final destination? Where did he find or discover his calling and what did his resume look like? Ah.
1: Boy, what a what a great question! Because what a lesson it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the, one of the things that I think allowed Dad to connect with the audience is he was so transparent to share his good decisions and his mistakes openly and honestly, so that other people could say, "Oh yeah, I want to do more of that and less of that." So here is the 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 real quick synopsis: He got out of the Navy. Uh, he had a little bit of college. He didn't graduate. He started in sales and for two and a half years in his first company, he says this, he didn't sell anything. Well, he did. He sold his car, he sold his furniture (laughs) and the day came when it was a cold winter uh, day and he, and he wakes up early in the morning. They're having a big sales meeting. Uh, Everybody's got to be there. It's part of the requirement. And he looks out the window and there's snow on the ground. He has a Crosley automobile without a heater Uh, dad said you could actually see the road underneath it and he got back in bed and then he said, wait a second. My mom always told me if you're in it, you're in it. And so he gets there, the meeting goes on and at a break, PC Merrill, his hero, one of the leaders in the company came over to him, put his hand on his shoulder, looked him in the eye and said, Zig, in all my years, I've never seen such a waste. But if you believed in yourself and went to work on a regular schedule, you could be a champion. You can be a great one. Because dad respected him and believed him, he he took it seriously. That was the day. This is the first turning point. So on that day, he went on a mission to figure out what it meant to believe in himself. And he made a commitment to go to work at the same time, every single day. So in his career, that was knocking on a door every day, having an appointment with somebody at 9 a.m. He immediately started reading books from Dale Carnegie and Vincent Nor- or Norman Vincent Peale and some of the other thought leaders of that time. And by the end of the year, he finished number two out of 7,000 salespeople. When in the previous two and a half years, he'd never been ranked in the top 5,000. What changed? It wasn't his skill or his technique or his knowledge or his ability to understand what the product does. The only thing that changed was his belief in himself, the belief that he had value, that he could make a difference, that he had a product that solved problems, and that he was there to help those he was around. And so that was the first step in that journey. Well, all of a sudden in the corporate world, when you go from, you know, not on the radar to number two, you become the golden boy. And, of course, we know that dad's talent, his communication skills, his ability to speak is legendary. And so he was gifted with those things. So they started moving him up the ranks quickly to uh, manager and sales manager and district manager. And he started learning about communication And then he started making mistakes. He started getting recruited away by other companies. He started buying into the belief that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And so he would leave an organization that he was doing great in and building and he'd go somewhere else. He actually went broke two or three times over the next 10 or 12 years because he bought into that. But the whole time he's doing this, he's learning. And this is where he learned the second principle. you got to believe in yourself. Number two was is that when he started his sales training, the people that he was developing, it was all about technique. And then he realized very quickly that technique's important, but not nearly as important as personal development, attitude, integrity, self-image. And so then the next part of his career moved into that type of content. 1972 was when everything changed from the big perspective. So we're talking a number of years go by from his 20s till his 40s, he gets all that experience. 1972 is when he accepts Christ as his Lord and Savior. And that's when the purpose of what he was doing radically changed. It was no longer necessarily about himself and what he could achieve. It was truly about others and how to benefit them at every single level. So that was, that's the quick overview of how he moved. So here's what I take away, and this is the one lesson that I would tell you. If you're wanting that radical change in your own life, the first step is to change your input. Put the input in that's going to help you to believe and understand that you truly were uh, created with the seed, you know, seeds of greatness within you. You're, you're endowed uh, with the seeds of greatness. You have all these attributes, and what you've got to do is develop them and then unleash them. So you start changing the input, and then you take massive action. That's what P.C. Merrill just told him. Is put the right things in your mind to where you change the belief of yourself, and then you take massive action on it. And, of course, Dad will tell you the story's not complete unless you're doing it for a higher purpose and a higher reason than for yourself. And that's where Dad's faith changed everything.
0: Uh, and I got a question on that, Tom. So, yeah, you mentioned that he came to Christ, and I think you told me that was at age 45. Is that right? Yeah, it was so- 1972.
1: He was born in 1926. Okay. Um, Somewhere. Yeah.
0: somewhere somewhere. around that. So mid, mid forties. Um, and just for people to know, yeah, I mean, it's, I think from that, maybe that was the birth of the zig that we all know, but in reality, as the people who are listening to these shows, you know, every second or, or every other show or every third show or, or so is a zig clip that then, you know, we break down and talk about more, most of those clips. So if we take the majority of his audio videos, the stuff that's been proliferated out to to so many millions of people, are most of those, uh, from an age standpoint, what's the age range uh, that those were accumulated from?
1: Oh, so those were, most of those were recorded in the 80s and 90s.
0: Okay.
1: So he would have been in his 60s, uh, fifty, late 50s to early 70s.
0: Okay. I think that's significant too. And I, I hope that that's an encouragement for people. My dad always told me most most men uh, is what he told me. Maybe maybe may women too at this point, but uh, most men find their legacy work. They find where their message really comes forth, and it's it starts in their fifties. It's after accumulating that experience and that wisdom, and we see that from Zig here. But to know that, yeah, he wasn't uh, he wasn't always a superstar. it Took a while.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that I jokingly tell young salespeople is I say, hey, how would you like to get? Uh, a year's worth of sales experience in about six months. And of course, they all go, yeah, yeah, tell me, tell me, tell me. And I say, it's simple. Double your call volume, double your appointment load, double everything that you're doing because experience only comes from that face-to-face contact, that phone-to-phone contact, that relationship building. And so we can shorten, we can learn from the masters and we can shorten our own timeline but we still have to consume and have to experience the types of situations that are going to give us what we need to go to that next level. So, read more, listen more, and solve more problems. That's how you shorten your timeline.
0: Well, and that reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers, where he really. Uh, dispel the myth of all these brilliant superstars, supernatural people. And he said, no, they, they had unique opportunities that they took advantage of and they put in their time. And of course, he accumulated that out to an average of 10,000 hours. So, going to what you're saying, Tom, folks, if you're out there, whatever you're doing and you want to master it, you got to put your hours in. Um, on this question, too, and great question, Ralph. Thank you, folks. You can get the audio, the, the autobiography. It's called The Autobiography of Zig Ziglar. You can get that at ziglar.com. Go to the products there. That is admittedly in many ways it's my favorite book because it helped me understand Zig. It helped me understand what he went through and his trajectory. It was what, maybe it was just the most inspiring thing because yes, yeah, Tom talks about he made it. He shared how he was a regular guy and it made you feel like, gosh, if he can do that, I can do that as well. So you can get that book again at Ziegler.com. Before the next question, I want to thank Princess Cruise Lines for sponsoring this episode. When's the last time you traveled somewhere completely new and had a truly exceptional vacation? Well, wherever you want to go, chances are Princess Cruise Lines can take you there. They were voted to have the best itineraries and are an easy, convenient way to travel and sail to over 360 destinations worldwide. So whether you want to cruise the coastlines of South America and explore its exotic ports of call, such as the romantic Buenos Aires, or cruise along Singapore's scenic river with stops at two of the city's oldest temples, let Princess whisk you away to some of the world's most intriguing destinations. Right now, during the Princess Cruise anniversary sale, you can get up to $600 in free onboard spending money that you can use to sip wines you can't pronounce, go cage diving, or unwind at the Lotus Spa. It's a stellar time to take your next vacation on a Princess Cruise. So visit princess.com slash Ziggler for more details. Again, that's princess.com dot com slash Ziegler. Well, this question here may take up the rest of our time, Tom. This one was really good and it just got me thinking on a lot of levels. And uh, kind of like our first question, I thought, man, this, this, this is a question that is, uh, this is going to cover a lot of ground for a lot of people. This comes from Bree. She says, uh, hello, I'm contacting you for help. I have a strong desire to be so successful in life it seemed to not be able to nail down a chief aim at this moment in time. I've been filling my mind for the past year with positivity and really working on myself. I have been reciting my affirmations every day, meditating, continuously reading self-help books and listening uh, to different content. I am about to graduate college. She had me right there because I thought you're doing this and you're only in college. This is, I love it. And uh, she said, I recently made a list of things I enjoy doing at work and what work and type of works work I'm good at, what my hobbies and extreme joys are. I've listed all them out in hopes of determining and using my imagination to find what exactly it is I want to pursue, but I'm having difficulty. Do you have any pointers? I recently listened to a podcast, uh, one of our shows with Carrie Wilkerson, where she mentioned getting stuck in just enjoying taking in all the positive content and I don't want to get stuck there without taking action also on what I desire. Thanks in advance for your help. I look forward to hearing back. Well, yeah, I love that, Tom, that this is, uh, and I want to encourage you, Bree, that you're in college doing this type of work. This is the type of work that we find people doing in their 40s in all reality, 40s, 50s, even later, after spending so much time doing things that did not matter. Uh, so much, and uh, you know, and on that, Tom, when we finish here uh, and, and and you say goodbye, folks, give me three minutes. I'm going to read you something by Frederick Beekner uh, on that specific issue right there. He's uh, one of my favorite uh, writers, and I'll talk about job. But just that you're doing that is uh, at this point in life, Bree. That is huge. That is uh, you are. Uh, that's more important than whatever degree you're going to get. I'll tell you that. Um. Tom, what are some thoughts you had on this?
1: Well, that's that's exciting because I have a daughter, 22, who graduates from college in May. And guess what? We're all focused on what is she going to do mm-hmm. career-wise mm-hmm. when she gets out. And so this is what I've encouraged her. So, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's hard to give advice. You could say, well, if it was me, this is what I would do. But I'm having this conversation with my own. Daughter, And so the first thing that I would recommend is maybe through your school or university, you can go online, you can go on Google, you can find out there are assessments and tests that you can take that will help you identify your personality type, the gifts that you have, that will give you some general tendencies of the types of work or career or business you want to start, whatever it is that you have a natural tendency towards. So that would be a good place to start. Now, my daughter, I call her, she's like a human lie detector. I mean, she can just tell if people are masking something, if they're telling the truth or whatever. And so we have a lot of conversations about how can she apply that. And so she's actually looking to get into uh, marketing and human behavior and what makes people make decisions. Uh, Because if you can read somebody pretty quickly, that's a benefit, right? You know if what you're saying is resonating with them or not, or if they have an agenda that's there. So find out what your gifts and talents are. And then as you kind of refine your list, and I call it what makes my heart sing list, uh, don't worry about the next year or two. Instead, step a step back and maybe say, you know what, 20 years from now, I have fulfilled my dream. I've got the perfect life. I'm doing whatever it is that I feel like I'm called or meant to do. And you might say, oh, well, that's easy. I want to do this. The problem is, is that your mind can't make the jump from where you are today to where you will be in 20 years. And that's okay. You don't have to worry about that or be concerned with that. But if that would be your ultimate goal, then you can then make start making decisions. If I take this path, will it take me closer to that long term dream? And if the answer is yes maybe give it a go. Don't worry if it's the absolute best thing to do. Look at it as a stepping stone on the long-term journey that you want to go to. The second thing that I would say is be very uh, aware of the things you don't like doing. Be very aware of the things that you don't like doing. This is what we find in uh, the marketplace As a market will say, come and join us, and they'll name the position. You're going to do A, B, and C. Well, A, B, and C might represent on paper 70% of what you're supposed to do. But when you dig into the requirements and you learn that there's this other 75% of these other detail stuff, reporting stuff, uh, day-to-day stuff uh, that goes along with that. And so what you've got to figure out is if there are things that you really don't like doing then that's going to tell you to stay away mm-hmm. from a job that's got a great title or a, a great, you know, kind of idea or concept. But the reality is, is you have to be comfortable with doing the things that you don't like doing at all. Now I'm saying things you don't like doing at all, not things that you would rather not do. Because all of us, when we get started, guess what? We all get to do things that we would prefer not to do. And I want you to know that's how you stand out and shine above your peers is you focus a hundred percent on exceeding expectations and doing with excellence everything that's required. Even the things that you would prefer not to do. Yeah. And one of the studies that I read, this is an interesting study, the people who are happiest working in a job role when they work for somebody else, over time, this is what happens. They take the job as is. They give it 100%. They excel. They win the trust and respect of those they work with. And then the leadership and the culture is such that the leadership comes back and they say, Bree, hey, you're doing fantastic. You seem to really do great at this. Can we give you more of what you like? And then they allow you to get rid of some of the things that you don't like. And so one of the things you might want to look for in a job opportunity are cultures that really focus on bringing out the best in an individual and finding support for things that they're not so great at. I mean, Kevin and I will be the first to tell you, hey, I am not a detail guy. <laughs> and so I can never perform at my best if my job is all detail. The way I perform at my best is to align myself with somebody on the team who loves detail. Amen. Amen. And who doesn't mind holding me accountable to the things only I can do? And so if you can, as you start searching for that, maybe you can look for an environment to do that. Uh, Bob T.D. was on the Ziegler Show podcast as well. He has a great book on questions. And so the way you discover this in the interview process is by asking great questions. Uh, and I think, Kevin, maybe in the show notes, you can pull that up.
0: and Yeah, you keep what, talking. I'm going to get it off my bookshelf.
1: Yeah, find out uh, what episode that was in. And, and uh, because Bob Titi, uh he offers this book. It's a free download on his website. And I'm sorry I don't have that information right now uh, for you. Here, here I got uh, it.
0: It's uh, okay. Great Leaders Ask Questions. Uh, That's
1: the name of the book. Does it have his website on there?
0: Uh, leading with questions.com.
1: Yes. Yeah. Leading with questions.com. I believe you can download that book for free. Uh, leave a thank you note on, uh, the website. When you go there, Bob is just a fantastic guy. So that'll help you in your interviews. And as you make decisions, the the best way to make a great decision is to ask the right questions before you make it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Love it. And I, uh, well, I'll have to look while you're talking next, Tom, and see if I can find out what show we interviewed Bob in. Well, and yeah, what you mentioned and looking at the things that you don't enjoy doing, Bree, you talked about making a list of things I enjoy doing at work. That is wonderful. Understanding the tasks that you do and don't do well is one thing but understanding what you enjoy is another and somewhat somewhat to what you said Tom I think we're in a culture uh, we are in a culture and in schooling where we're basically motivated to go towards what you're good at when they see that little Johnny or little Brenda is good at whatever okay that's the way that we push them into and yet we often find not I don't know if it's often but it's it's fairly frequent that what somebody is good at may not be the thing that they enjoy however especially in the long term that made me think of myself. And as a kid, I was great at all the ball sports. So football, baseball, basketball, soccer, man, I just excelled. I was pretty big and I was pretty quick. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the locker room scene. I just didn't enjoy it. I went after endurance stuff, which initially I wasn't so good at. It took took me a while. But uh, I, again, to what you're saying, Brian, I think for everybody, it's really good to question. What you're good at may not be what you enjoy. So understanding all those areas is incredibly valuable work. This one, she said, Tom stuck out to me and I wanted to pull out hobbies and extreme joys. I love the combo and the use of the words there. And I'll tell you, that's something that in my work with self-employed people, we would put down those as well, because sometimes we'll find a vocational opportunity within those, which can be awesome. However, we also, a lot of times see people see those hobbies and extreme joys, especially under that banner of passion, you know, go work at your passions. And they see that I'm passionate about fishing and they go try to make it a vocational opportunity. sometimes that's possible. A lot of times, it's not. Those are just extreme joys, as you call them, Brie, that need to be part of your life. And I have learned that those are vital. Uh, my, uh, I spent 30 minutes running a trail early this morning as the sun came up. And, you know, I'm not going to pursue a vocation in trail running. Uh, but, man, it fuels my soul. It's like vitamins for my soul. And that needs to be part of my life so that I can come in here and do a better Ziggler show, so that I can be better at running the businesses that I'm involved with. It's not a luxury those again, vitamins for the soul. I love, I love that. Um, but again, you know, look at those hobbies and extreme joys. Maybe there's something for you in, uh, in there. And, uh, you know, a big part of this though, there's so many things, Tom, you mentioned some resources I would definitely pull out. 48days.com, my dad's website, Dan Meller. You can go there. They've got disc profiles that give you a vocational list. I think you can choose from a couple of different ones. There's one with a vocational list there. But when you, if you really want to get into it, it is very hard to be getting personal input, uh, even if that's paying a career coach in essence, which you can find some of that at 48days.com. Tom and I'm saying that, and with Ziggler, I don't know if we have career coaching. Do we have a... Anybody on tap for that necessarily?
1: We cover that in in general through our one-on-one coaching program, helping you identify your goals. Uh, And we would be recommending that you do some assessments to find out, you know, what you're, I call it what you're built for, you know, what comes natural to you. And because you want to align your strengths with where you're going and whenever we can, usually when, uh, when, when something seems easy, it's because we're gifted in that area and It's good to do fun, the things that we enjoy that we're gifted in. And so the secret is is finding that combination. And let me be real clear. Uh, You know, in order for dad to be the best in the world on stage and the different things that he did, he did a lot of things that he didn't like to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he didn't relish the idea that he needed to exercise five days a week. He grew to love it, but he had to have the discipline to do what he needed to do to create the the vehicle for him to communicate, which was his his physical health. Uh, And so he he excelled in that because he knew it was going to take him towards his goal. And I think that's a danger that we get in is we assume that, well, I don't like it. Therefore, it's not important. I shouldn't have to do it. Hey, if doing something that you don't necessarily like to do takes you closer to your destiny, your purpose, your dream, then relish it, dig into it. And then turn it into something that you do very well.
0: Absolutely. Did I just hear a cheer from the ZLC group on the other side of the wall there? Yes, you did. (laughs) That's motivating. I hope you guys heard that in the (laughs) recording that came through. I just, I just picked that up. That's fun. Well, you know, in, in this breed, I think for everybody, I mean, doing the, doing the hard work to narrow it down and narrow it down is incredibly valuable. That's, that's, uh, that's vital, and then at some point, though, there's only so much you can know before you just get out there and start trying some things. And so with patients or patients, uh, that's this business with clients uh, that I had in doing this kind of career and business coaching, especially consulting It was narrowing down, and then we would just look and say, okay, of these three possibilities, what are you just best positioned for right now? What's the lowest-hanging fruit? What's the most viable thing in the marketplace? And then we just got to make a decision and jump, and let's do that. What if you spend the next two years, next year, six months, a year, two years, whatever – devoting yourself into this and it ends up that you know what that's not it I guarantee you will be leaps and bounds closer to what the thing really is and otherwise you will never have gotten in there so have some peace in trying that what if it takes you three years to find that thing what if it takes you seven what if it takes you 15 we just talked about Zig the Zig Ziglar that everybody knows who did the majority of his big legacy work in his 50s and 60s what if it takes you a little bit of time? Meanwhile, the majority of the culture will never, they're not even looking for that thing. They're not looking for their final destination that their legacy is going to come from. So put the work in go out there and try some things. Maybe you'll get lucky. Our buddy Dave Munson started a business, Saddleback Leather Company. It was the first thing he ever tried, and that's what he's doing today. They make millions of dollars with their leather bags. That's very unique. I think it's the only guy I ever heard. Most business people tell me about how many businesses they bankrupted uh, or, or failed in before they found the thing. And same thing with careers. So uh, just applaud the work that you're doing, Bree. And folks, if you're listening to this, though, and you're 60, so what if it takes two years? What if it takes you five years and then you find something that you're really into? I, 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 don't, I don't like to just throw out the cliches, but I've rarely ever seen, you know, when is it too late? It's not. It is not. Uh, Tom, that's a great question, and I know you've got uh, folks waiting on you. All right, man. Thanks for being here. And, folks, as I – Tom, you got something? All right.
1: yeah. yeah, man. I just wanted to say thank you as our listeners. Uh, we try to bring you value every week, and, and uh, we try to give you encouragement. Kevin, you do a great job hosting this, fielding all the questions. We get so many more mm-hmm. responses than we're able to cover on air. Uh, we do the best we can to pull the ones in that reach the biggest number of people. And I look forward to our next Q&A session, so keep sending them in. And yeah. uh, we will see you next time. I'm going to give it back to you, Kevin, so All you right. can wrap this
0: up. All right, Tom. Thanks. Yeah, folks, and I, I promised you I'd read something to you. I'm going to do that. But on that note, yeah, if you want to get your question in on something we talked about today or on an upcoming show, if you will go again to ask.zigshow.com, you can submit it there. You can write it in there, or you can simply email us at ask at Dot com. Well, off of the first question that we had, and I told you I'd wrap up with this. This is three quick paragraphs by Frederick Beekner. He is a writer and philosopher and one of the most amazing people I've ever read. The guy's still alive uh, today, but this, uh, this came from an, it's an excerpt from a book, uh, and this is called Jobs. So here, I'll leave you with this. Jobs are what people do for a living, many of them for eight hours a day, five days a week, minus vacations for most of their lives. It is tragic to think how few of them have their hearts in it. They work mainly for the purpose of making money enough to enjoy their moments of not working. If not working is the chief pleasure they have, you wonder if they wouldn't do better just to devote themselves to that from the start. They would probably end up in bread lines or begging, but even so, the chances are they would be happier than pulling down a good salary as an insurance agent or a dental technician or a cab driver and hating every minute of it. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? asks the preacher in Ecclesiastes. If he's in it only for the money, the money is all he gains. And when he finally retires, he may well ask himself if it was worth giving most of his life for. If he's doing it for its own sake, if he enjoys doing it and the world needs it, it may very possibly help to gain him his own soul. Uh, And folks, if you're interested in that, there's a book called Listening to Your Life. It's daily meditations with Frederick Buechner. Incredible, incredible guy. Well, I hope that leaves you inspired and with some ideas to go forward and inspire your true performance. Thanks for being here with me, and I look forward to being with you again on the next Ziggler Show.